You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rick, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing? It's been a while since we've talked last. Yeah, I'm doing well, Lucio. Um, you know, I've just been covering this uh, odd finish to the basketball season. They're still going. And, uh, of course, we got spring football around the corner and uh, some other exciting news around Fresno State football. So, it's been a busy month, and now we're about to yeah, kick off spring football here real soon. I know. It, it wasn't it just yesterday that we we finished off the football season. Uh, I mean, it seems like <laughs> it, it came full circle really quickly this year, which is a good thing. After the last couple of years we've had with all of this COVID and all you know all the restrictions and everything going on, it just seems like this past year kind of flew by, and we're heading right back into football. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's been one of the more busier off seasons, of course. I mean, that couple of weeks after the regular season finale against San Jose State just seemed like an eternity with all the coaching stuff and DeBoer leaving and Tedford coming back. And now, I mean, the they've had a lot of recruiting action in January where the, it felt like the last couple of years there hasn't been much going on in January since they changed the recruiting clock and uh, now we've just kind of been waiting for spring ball. They've been still recruiting transfers, and so it's been really nonstop this off season. And uh, it'll only ramp up with uh, getting to see the team practice fifteen times here. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but it, it kind of feels like there's a complete different feel now that Tedford is there. Uh, not a knock on the old uh, on the other coaching staff, but it just seems like there's a, a total different kind of an atmosphere going on. Do you agree? Yeah, um, I mean, there, you have all these former Bulldogs on the staff, uh, especially on defense where, you know, the, they've added guys like Tim Skipper and Jethro Franklin and Kevin Coyle. And, I mean, the, it's going to be exciting to see what they do. Um, and then, of course, just having Coach Tedford back. Um, it's, I mean, a, a big deal, not just the fact that he's back and that they have a, a top-notch staff, but that, I mean, this team's coming off 10 wins, and the staff has really recruited a lot of solid transfers to kind of plug in the holes, and we'll talk about two of the newest ones that the Bulldogs got this week. But, yeah, just, it feels like everything's kind of all in on this season where you've got Jake Hayner as a, a super senior at quarterback and uh, a whole bunch of returners across the board and uh, very few question marks on this team. It, it feels like everything's kind of pointing towards this football season for the Dogs. Yeah, it seems like it could be a very, a very special season for the Bulldogs if everything uh, that's being indicated falls into place for the Bulldogs. But uh, only time will tell. Uh, but it does seem like the uh, Fresno State, uh, it, for the first time in, in quite some time, seem like they have most of the pieces in place to really make it a special season. So we'll see what happens uh, heading into spring ball. Uh, because you, we all know that spring springtime uh, can usually make or break a team, especially when uh, players start getting injured during spring practices. Something that the Bulldogs want to avoid, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know we've seen that in the past. I mean, even one spring, Ronnie Rivers to, uh, had a pretty significant injury, and um, I believe yeah, that was the uh, 2018 season. And fortunately, he was able to come back. 
uh, later in the year and, of course, made the game-winning touchdown uh, on the blue turf. But, um, yeah, you always want to avoid that. Uh, I mean, if you get hurt in March, if it's a bad one, it can linger along farther enough into August and September. So, I mean, that's kind of priority number one. But otherwise, they'll be installing a new scheme on defense and uh, be tweaking some things on offense with Kirby Moore taking over as the coordinator and there's going to be some position battles too. And, um, you know, the Bulldogs have more transfers and more junior college players and uh, potentially some freshmen that can contribute all arriving in the fall uh, or in the summer. And so this is a chance for a lot of guys to kind of make their impression on these new coaches and try to kind of plug in or, or you know, fill their spots before more competition comes their way. Absolutely. So things are looking good for the Bulldogs. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye on things uh, as soon as spring uh, practices start to progress. Jackson, of course, will be out at practices more more times than well more than anybody else that I know. <laughs> Even the local <laughs> media, Jackson is usually there more than they are. So we'll we'll get a lot more uh, information as things start to break down uh, during spring break, but. Before we jump into anything else, Jackson, uh, you know we've we've got to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, it's it's a little bit away from bulldog football, but it still involves a couple of former bulldogs that uh, played here at Fresno State together, and are now it seems like they are going to be joining forces uh, on on an, a local. Well, I want to call it a local NFL California team. And and that's Derek Carr uh, looks like he's going to be reunited with Devontae Adams. Now, Jackson, is it official or is it still kind of in the works at the moment? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's uh, I don't think it's technically official, but by all means, it's done. It's been reported all <laughs> over the place and uh, they're just working out, um, you know, the behind the scenes stuff to, to make it official. But. Uh, yeah, Devontae Adams heading to Las Vegas uh, to play for a Raiders team that he's always admired, you know, having him been the Bay Area team all his life up until the last couple of years. And, uh, man, uh, not only with Fresno State having so much excitement coming up for this season, but to have Derek Carr thrown to Devontae Adams in the pros, this is going to be awesome for both Fresno State and the Raiders. And, um, I mean, for Derek, he's never had a weapon like this to throw to, and they have a couple of other pieces that now look a whole lot better when you add Devontae Adams as your number one target. Um, and, and man, it's just going to be a whole lot of fun. But just for the last several years, I've seen you know the photoshops of Devontae Adams in a Raiders uniform. You know, it's been a fun thing to talk about, thinking that he might come back to a team that he grew up enjoying and playing with his old quarterback, but. It just seemed like something that probably wouldn't happen. And it was just totally shocked me yesterday when that news broke that uh, the Packers even agreed to trade him. <laughs> he was you know, just uh, such an outstanding player for Green Bay. And um, the, I mean, they, the Raiders had to give up uh, two first round picks and some, or one first round pick, two total picks, and some more to get him and sign him. Yeah, I mean, the storyline for Fresno State is that uh, you know, Carr and Adams are teammates again, but. Adams also signed the biggest contract by any non-quarterback ever in the NFL, which is also a pretty big deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, Adams and Carr are going to have a whole lot of money in their pocket, and uh, it's going to be really, really fun to watch them play together. And 
Uh, I imagine there's going to be a lot of Bulldog fans watching the Raiders on Sundays, maybe even making a few trips to Vegas to watch those guys play together again. Absolutely. And uh, maybe uh, maybe you and I were just going to have to make a road trip again just to go watch them. <laughs> that's always fun. Uh, Jackson and I on the road to Las Vegas. That's, that's, that's one of the ones we love making a trip to uh, every so often when, when we get the chance, but uh, this, you know, having Derek and Adams is huge. Not only is it huge for uh, both of them playing on the same team, but it, it's also huge for for bulldog football in itself because it's basically kind of free advertising, right, Jackson? I mean, you're you're, you're showing that you got a couple of the best players in the NFL right now playing together, and both are coming from Fresno State. Yeah, and um, you know, fortunately, that storyline was pretty much shared by all all the major media yesterday. Even you know, it wasn't just. Uh, I mean, this is a huge move, and it could be uh, very, very relevant to national sports media, just the fact that Adams and Carr are playing together. But most of the pictures <laughs> that you're seeing, it's those old shots of them in Bulldog uniforms, and it's reunited and on SportsCenter. It's Fresno State former teammates. You know, it's not just two NFL stars joining together, but it's that Fresno State story. And you know every time they play on national television, it's going to be a free infomercial for Fresno State this season to, to show that background and uh, about, about their history. And you're going to see the videos on social media and all off-season long about you know, the old highlights and everything before they join forces for real on the season starts. So, I mean, this is uh, definitely a big storyline uh, at a national scale that, two former Fresno State Bulldogs are together that have turned into these NFL stars. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to just keep going on all year long. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something that uh, Fresno State is going to love, uh, kind of having their own free free bulletin board all across the nation. Uh, you know, these top two players came from here, uh, and so they can use that now to their, their advantage of recruiting uh, which could which could benefit the Bulldogs tremendously by just saying, "Hey, you don't need to go to a big, big Power Five school in order to make it big in the NFL." Look what these two did, and that's kind of the message that uh, Fresno State is probably going to be uh, probably going to be pitching to a lot of these recruits out there, right, Jackson? Yeah, I've even seen uh, some of the commits sharing that <laughs> all the the stuff from Fresno State about Carr and Adams and how excited they are. And um, it didn't hurt that Fresno State basically offered like 20, 30 recruits this week and trying to make a good impression. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that was good timing for them. And um, the other part is that, you know, the um, there's been times in Fresno State's recent history where they had a lot more players in the NFL. You know, they're more you were used to having the Bulldogs about have. 15 to 20 guys in the pros. And, um, you know, right now it's not as big of a number. It's about five to eight or so in that range, depending on which guys are scout team guys or not at a given time. But if two of those guys are Derek Carr and Devonte Adams, it doesn't matter if it's just those two. I mean, that's as good a publicity as you can get for Fresno state. And that's going to be a big driver in uh, being a recruiting pitch, uh, whether, uh, you know, even if you had a whole lot more 
Bulldogs and the pros like the, the Bulldogs had during the Pat Hill years, uh, it just doesn't get any better than having a guy like Carr and a guy like Adams making national headlines with those Bulldog logos. Yeah, it's definitely going to make a big difference recruiting-wise for the Bulldogs. And, of course, you know, with that being said, we're going to jump right into what Fresno State has been able to do lately. They've been able to pick up a couple of transfer commits, and they're not just any slouches. They're they're pretty good uh, uh, transfers that are coming into Fresno State. Do you think uh, Fresno kind of used that to their advantage to kind of finally cement them making their transfer, Jackson? Yeah, so uh, they picked up two Power Five transfers earlier this week, and um, you know I think more than anything you've got well, you know these things are kind of case by case basis, but you've got a program here that is very clearly coming off of a ten win season, returns a lot of talent, and has a lot of confidence in this new coaching staff, and that's where you see some guys from the Power Five ranks that are looking for bigger roles and see a team that is in win-now mode and, and want to be a part of that, uh, wanting to come here. And for Jacob Isaiah, an offensive lineman for Michigan State, uh, that's exactly that. And, you know, he's not the guy that has any ties to Fresno State. He's never been to Fresno before. Uh, he's from Hawaii and played at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Um, spent the last uh, four years with the Michigan State Spartans in the Big Ten territory. And, um He's looking for a chance to to start and to be an interior lineman for the Bulldogs. And, um, I mean, this is a really good spot for him. He had other Mountain West offers and took a trip to Hawaii, where he was from, and checked out their program. But, uh, I mean, just all the the energy around Fresno State right now made them the place for him. The Bulldogs also grabbed a defensive lineman, Joshua Pacola, a big six foot four, 300 pound defensive tackle who. And was really an outside linebacker and defensive end for all of his high school career, and that's just really grown into his body, uh, probably more than anyone expected. Play defensive line in a three-four scheme over at Stanford, and um, yeah, an interesting one with him because he redshirted, and because of COVID, uh, he's been in college for three years, but he still has three more years to play here at Fresno State, and he's a guy. I mean. Uh, I mean, he was a top 200 recruit in high school, and he had, again, a, another pretty decent list of offers coming out of the transfer portal. But um, he, his father played for Fresno State, and so now you get into legacy territory here where uh, a lot of those guys like to, to come back to Fresno State. And uh, not only was his dad, Lee, a Fresno State Bulldog in the 90s, but he played defensive line with an assistant coach named Jethro Franklin, who now 20-plus uh, years later has come back to Fresno State and is coaching the same position unit. So, I mean, that was just one where it felt like all the stars aligned. The Bulldogs bring in the guy with Joshua Pacola, who is um, ready to contribute right away, but he could be a starter three years from now, or in 2024 at least. Um, and they just got a guy like that, and Evan Bennett this last year from Oregon State, who made some starts for the Beavers. So, um, I mean, they have really, really used the transfer portal to their advantage. Uh, they've made Fresno State an attractive place to be, and they've really done a good job here of filling gaps and plugging holes. And also, you know, there's a lot of positions, maybe like defensive tackle is a good example, where the Bulldogs have some guys in the pipeline, guys that, uh, you know, have played some, or a guy like Julius Lewis, who is very, very promising, but, 
you know, if you're trying to make that big run to that New Year's Eve bowl game or New Year's Day bowl game, and you can get a guy that's a proven power five player uh, instead of one that might have to go through some growing pains this year. I mean, those are the teams that are going to excel and the Bulldogs have been able to add depth and kind of skip the line in terms of development by using the portal to their advantage in a way that uh, a lot of other schools haven't been able to. Yeah, it's definitely, it seems like the Bulldogs have, have really gained some momentum in these, in this transfer portal era, uh, which has helped them put some pieces together that they didn't necessarily have uh, in the previous years. Does it seem like now it seems like things are starting to kind of fall into place on how to use the transfer portal? Because let's face it, it is now the thing of for everyone to do, whether it be players leaving to go find more playing time or just a, a change of scenery. How, how, how much do you see this affecting college football in the future? Yeah, you know, we're kind of in an odd spot right now because with the COVID year, it's increased the amount of players that are in the portal. And you've got, you know, a lot of players that have an extra one or two years, uh, if they redshirted as well, that they wouldn't normally have. Um, there's just more players available and more players entering the portal than what well, once those, these COVID guys kind of age out in a couple of years. I think it'll decrease some. Um, but even Coach Tedford himself uh, said he, you know, when he, was rehired, said he was kind of new to the portal. And when he was here before, Fresno State was also pretty aggressive with taking transfers, but it was mostly guys that were local Central Valley guys that went to Power 5 schools and decided to come home, seemed to be the majority of them. And you know, guys that uh, contributed as well. I mean, of course, Marcus McMarion's at the top of that list, but you know, a lot of guys that you know played Kai Quick at receiver, you know, wasn't the leading receiver or anything, but made some big catches. And, um, you know, guys like uh, Ricky McCoy played a lot of defensive tackle for the Bulldogs and you know, didn't get Marcus McMurray in level of glory, but there was a lot of those guys scattered around the team. And last year uh, with Coach DeBoer, we really saw Fresno State get especially aggressive in just rounding out its roster with transfers. They added a whole bunch of guys. Um, you know, you think about, uh, I mean, they, they ended up with nine transfers and you think about Tyson Maeva, a linebacker who was such an important piece for the dogs for much of the year, Deron Bland, who became a starter, Elijah Gates at safety, you know, Ryan Bame and Evan Bennett played a whole bunch of defensive tackle for the dogs and Ty Jones as well played quite a bit of receiver. I mean, again, I mean, no, none of them were necessarily the stars of the team perhaps, but they played important pieces on making, you know, elevating Fresno State's team last season. And uh, Coach Tedford has really kind of picked up where they left off with that. Uh, they're up to seven Division One transfers right now. Uh, they've got a lot of guys that are here to play right away. I mean, Cameron Lockridge at cornerback, where the Bulldogs have lost two players. Nico Remigio at receiver and kick returner is expected to play a big role. Raymond Scott is basically... This year's Tyson Maeva, a linebacker, and now they've got a couple of linemen on each side that uh, can potentially start or contribute. So, um, I mean, it's about improving your roster immediately, and um, it's also about kind of replacing depth and getting impact in ways that you couldn't before. And not just with the portal, but the fact that these guys don't have to sit out anymore 
uh, just makes this kind of like free agency. Yeah, it's like it, it It does really feel like free agency, what happens in the NFL where players move from team to team. Um, you know, in some instances, it can be it can be a good thing for uh, for these college teams. However, in other instances, when you have star players who all of a sudden decide to just go somewhere else, kind of leaves me scratching my head sometimes, Jackson. Why do you, why do you think that happens? Yeah, you know, that, that's another thing that fortunately the football team has really navigated really well. The, the basket, or Some other programs on campus have struggled with that mightily. I mean, the softball team, Los Palito Cini, uh, the star pitcher, and I mean, that team is really, really off to a rough year so far without her. Um, the women's basketball team previous year lost a bunch of key players, and now the Cavender Twins this week entered the transfer portal, and that roster seems very, you know, the cupboard feels empty now with, with those things going on. And it's also happened in college football too. I mean, you look even in the mountain West, uh, more probably more specifically with coaching changes, just guys you know, leaving in large numbers, uh, Nevada, Hawaii, um, even Colorado state who ended up taking a lot of Nevada transfers with their hiring. Jay Norvell as their head coach, but uh, they had a lot of guys leave too. Um, you look at Wyoming, who's a team that, you know, they recruit a lot of guys that don't really have connections to Wyoming geographically, of course. It's not a high school hotbed for recruiting. And a lot of those guys that have excelled there this offseason decided to try their luck and find places closer to home or more nationally relevant. And so there's a lot of teams and a lot of programs, and you know, across the board that have not had a good time with this transfer portal, but as far as Fresno State football, they have not had that issue. They dodged the one bullet with Jake Hayner, who was briefly in the portal uh, back during the coaching change. Fortunately, they they got that all worked out and got him to come back, and everything's you know the back on the up and up. Everyone seems to be on the same page now. But you know, other than that, the Fresno State has basically only used the portal to its advantage. And, uh, you know, have been able to have some players that maybe were uh, not going to be significant pieces of the team uh, be able to clear out some space and find better places for them. And so um, it's been a very good thing for Fresno State. And as long as they have this continuity and this coaching staff together, um, it it doesn't feel like it's going to be something that really hurts this program, uh, you know, until... Someday, perhaps when Coach Tedford retires, uh, you know, may they may even have a succession plan from there. So um, it feels like Fresno State's in really good, uh, really good place as long as they keep doing what they've been doing for the last uh, about five seasons now. Yeah, absolutely. And the Bulldogs are uh, are so far have been navigating the transfer portal uh very well and hopefully they'll continue to do that even with tedford's uh, limited knowledge of how things work he's doing a great job of understanding <laughs> how to keep players from from jumping ship so to speak uh but moving on heading into spring i mean think the weather is already starting to change and uh fresno state is getting ready to gear up for their spring football um practices right now and so Jackson you wanted to mention talk a little bit about the spring football preview so tell us what do you have in store as to what is going on with Fresno State football yeah yeah, we've got some features on the premium board went over some of my top 10 questions about um, the the things we're going to be watching most for spring ball and 
as well as another feature about uh, which player from each position group has the most to gain from this spring. And at the time where you know, some people maybe don't understand the significance and the opportunities here, the Bulldogs have 15 practices and it's going to be filled with installing some of the new schemes with the new coaches. It's also going to be filled with position battles and you know, kind of ter- determining a pecking order here. The Bulldogs have uh, seven scholarship players that have arrived as mid-year additions, and there's also several other players that are going to be joining the Dogs as well, um, guys that uh, were either gray shirts or, or preferred walk-ons and coming into the program. And so there's going to be a lot going on for this team. But some of the key points, one is definitely going to be the offensive line. That's going to be the most competitive position on the team by far. Uh, I mean, you look across the board, the Bulldogs return a lot of starters, but when you're on the offensive line, you lose Alex Akinbulu, uh, you lose Matt Smith, you lose Dante Adkins, who had to medically retire. Um, uh, I mean, there are spots to fill, and even some of the returning starters aren't necessarily you know, locked in. Uh, when you look at the way the Bulldogs are recruiting, they've added... Uh, two junior college recruits on the O-line. They've added a Division One transfer. Uh, we're likely to add another one. We're, we're tracking that on the premium board as well. But um, there, there are spots to fill. And if you look, you feel like Mose Vavalo is probably the most likely to keep a starting job. You know, um, Bula Schmidt and uh, Dante Bull are probably next up uh, at center and tackle respectively. They've got a lot of experience and a lot of starts under their belt and bull had a, a tough time at it at times this past year and ultimately uh, lost some favor and, and he did not start, I believe the last two games, but he is definitely the most experienced returner and should begin spring ball as a first teamer. But I mean, there's a lot of spots up for grabs and a lot of guys that are trying to retain spots and try to make an impression again before new guys come. Uh, Braylon Nelson's going to be a big one to watch. Um, uh, he uh, is able to play both guard and tackle, and he'll have a chance to probably compete at both, I would imagine. Um, you could bring in Daniel Talamololo in from uh, the junior college ranks here. He was the one guy that got in early. He's going to be uh, competing for an interior line spot, and you also have Isaiah, who is not here in the spring, but he's going to be another inside interior lineman. So, uh, that's going to be a pretty significant battle in the middle. And you've got other guys like Torian Pinwright, who's got some playing time. Uh, Jalen Guerrero, who was a second-year transfer from New Mexico State, was supposed to be an impact player for the Dogs, while competing at tackle. Roland Fullwood showing a lot of promise. So, uh, I mean, it is a, a deep group of guys that they have available, um, but they've got to really shore up that line. And they've also got a new offensive line coach, Saga Tuatelli, who is going to be a new set of eyes there. Um, that's going to be the big thing on offense. Also, the number two quarterback job, where uh, we're kind of assuming Jalen Henderson's the guy, but it never really got to that point where they definitively ever said that last year. Logan Fife was started the season as the number two and seemed to be really competing for that job. And uh, Bulldogs also have quarterback Alec Trujillo coming in. And in the fall, they've got Joshua Wood, who is a very... A capable true freshman coming in. So that's going to be a big battle here for the spring too. Um, we'll be watching the running back position where we all know Jordan Mims is coming back, but 
we haven't seen a whole lot of the guys behind him, and there's going to be a lot of competition there. It will be exciting to see how that unfolds. Um, our tight end, uh, Juan Rodriguez is gone, so there's going to be a lot of spots up for grabs there. And defensively, you know, there's a, a lot of those transfers are going to factor in. We're going to have to see how Raymond Scott fits in at linebacker, how Cameron Lockridge fits in at cornerback. Uh, those are going to be two guys that, if they live up to expectations, they are going to be huge parts of that defense. And we'll see in the spring how, how they're panning out. Also, the D-line, of course. They're losing Kevin Atkins. They're losing Aaron Mosby. They're losing Kwame Jones. They're losing Ryan Bame. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of uh, talent and depth coming back, but it's going to look a lot different. So, uh, of course, the defensive line is a, a critical part of your team uh, any year. So that's going to be a, one to watch. There's going to be a lot of storylines to keep tracking on this team throughout the spring. And it's really going to go a long way in telling us uh, how good this team can be in the fall and uh, who is going to step up to some of these openings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now uh, there is a, you know, a bunch of question marks uh, that the Bulldogs kind of need to figure out. But if you kind of had to look at the whole team, where what is the biggest one that the Bulldogs kind of have to kind of figure out and get it solved? Yeah, the O-line is definitely the biggest one, and, and they are – Definitely addressing that through recruiting. I think by the time the Bulldogs uh, get to fall camp, they're going to have two transfers and two junior college recruits. I mean, that's four guys that are all expected to compete immediately. I doubt that all four are all going to start. But, I mean, you could have potentially the majority of the O-line be new guys that take over those starting spots, I would imagine probably at least two guys are in starting spots. And so that's going to look very different. And that competition is all going to start unfolding here in the spring. Um, And it's very interesting too, because there's a lot of guys that have started games that are back and uh, don't have guaranteed spots. So it's going to be uh, uh, very big (laughs) as far as the competition goes. And um, just ultimately what they mean to the team, because the Bulldogs are so loaded at quarterback, receiver and tight end. They've got Jordan Mims at running back. And just the big question mark is the O-line that brings it all together. You know, they were good, not great last year. You know, They improved their sack numbers tremendously from the COVID year, which was horrible. Uh, so the bar was very low. But, uh, I mean, they were definitely good enough to provide this team with uh, you know, all the offensive weapons enough to work with. But it feels like you're kind of starting over from square one this year. And they've got to get that figured out. Uh, if they get the O-line in the place that it needs to be, you know, the rest of the offense falls into place, and it's going to be one of the most productive in the country, if so. Now, other than O-line, what's going to be your biggest concern? Because I, I can tell you right now what mine's going to be. Mine's going to be the running back position. You've got Jordan Mims, but then what else do you have? <laughs> um, uh, am, am I alone here, Jackson, or or is is there another position that that you're more worried about? Oh yeah, that's a good point because especially with Jordan Mims, you know, he uh, neither him nor Ronnie Rivers seem to really put together a full season over the past five years. You know, oftentimes one would be hurt for a couple of weeks, and the other would step in, and, and then we go back and forth. And Mims, especially, of course, he missed the entire 2019 season and wasn't quite himself in 2020 either. So he's got that history. Even this past year, uh, we saw him have two 200-yard games back-to-back, and 
seemed to be out of gas when they played that Boise State game. He didn't play very much there. So that's definitely a concern. Uh, Malik Sherrod and Jordan Wilmore would likely be your next running backs up. And they were very promising, but they're guys that haven't played a lot for Fresno State before. And then you've got Jordan Hornbeek and Jonathan Arsenal as well, two very exciting uh, redshirt freshmen. Again, guys that just have never played college ball, but um, on paper uh, should be very uh, exciting athletes for the dogs. So we'll see how that pans out. I think the most concerning thing for me is just the backup quarterback because what happens if Hainer gets hurt and they haven't really brought in the veteran transfer. But um, if Henderson can really um, you know, gain some confidence and, and still confidence in the staff this spring. You know, you feel better about him being a second-year guy at least this year than being a true freshman last year. Well, here and and then I've got some additional questions about the quarterback position. Do you see uh, this this group of guys staying intact by the end of spring ball? I mean, you've got to think in the back of your head. By the time spring ball is over. A couple of those guys are going to know exactly where they where they stand. Do you see some of them maybe transferring out or, or or you know doing something else? Yeah, I mean that'll be one to watch too. Um, you know, it's it's not a terribly deep group of quarterbacks right now. Um, it's just been kind of Hainer and then behind him as far as scholarship guys go. Um, really, just uh, you know uh, Henderson and Fife, and so. Um, you know, if if the gap is wide, you know, you could see Fife maybe potentially consider that kind of thing. But he is a, more of a local guy. He has a lot of ties to Fresno State. He might want to be here more than just a typical quarterback that would be here, perhaps. And you know, we're the Bulldogs. Well, previous staff kind of did a good job of masking exactly where they stood. Uh, it may be that. They leave spring, and it's not necessarily a given who's number two and who's number three. Um, so that'll be uh, another storyline to watch. But with Joshua Wood coming in the fall, I think uh, by the time next year comes around, you'll see someone of that group emerge for, as a starter. And ultimately, probably you'll see the transfers start happening after that. You know, it's just even before the portal, you know, if you're not a starting quarterback, you're ultimately going to look elsewhere to try to find a place to start. That's nothing new in terms of college football. Uh, So that would just be kind of the assumption of how that thing will play out. But uh, it's a group that you figure if one of the three guys emerges by 2023, uh, you're going to feel really good about whoever that is. Yeah, and and spring ball is is going to – kind of illuminate a little bit of what is going on, but it's not necessarily going to tell us everything that we need to know as far as where the Bulldogs stand uh, because uh, the coaches right now, they just want to work their players out and kind of get a feel for you know who they are and, uh, and where they can use them because ultimately there's going to be a few players on the team who are going to start at one position and then before spring practice is over, they're going to be playing something totally different, right, Jackson? It happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, that's been Coach uh, Tedford's kind of uh, biggest priority here is getting to know the players that he didn't recruit. You know, he's recruited about 80% of this roster that he's inheriting from before. Um, But there are some guys he doesn't know all that well, Uh, some guys that they're going to try out at some different positions. I mean, you're essentially changing defensive schemes, and that's going to require some different, uh, you know, asks from some of those positions. So 
Uh, definitely on defense, uh, you're probably going to see some flexibility there. And they're really just trying to understand what they've got and who they've got because I imagine there's going to be, a, after spring and they figure all that out, another round of transfer portal recruiting to try to fill in a couple of spots that maybe they're still concerned about and or some guys that maybe leave after they realize where they're at in the depth chart, as you mentioned. So, uh, I mean, that's going to continue. And fortunately, there's a uh, waiver this year that allows you to bring in extra transfers uh, as long as uh, so players leave. You're, you know, you're allowed to fill up uh, seven of those spots. And even though the Bulldogs have uh, seven transfers right now, um, I believe there's room for more through that waiver. That's a, an additional waiver to what you would normally be allowed. Yeah, it's basically like one for one kind of a thing. If one transfers out, you're able to pick another one up. A kind of a kind of a, a situation, I think. Um, but that that is good. You know, we we now know what is gonna what what to look forward in uh, spring ball, uh, getting things going, and uh, you know, as always, Jackson will keep us up to date as far as what is happening out there. Um, and then we'll get all that news and coverage out to you uh, as best as we can. But Jackson, one topic that we we touched upon that we would do on our next podcast, and that is, of course, stadium renovations. And it's something that you had a chance to sit down and talk to to the main guys uh, at Fresno State to kind of get a sense and a feel for where Fresno State stands on the stadium renovation because, you know, years back they had mentioned something that they were going to be doing something, and then all of a sudden it kind of went away and we had radio silence and uh, the the administration changed and, and kind of we haven't heard much. But what have you learned now of what Fresno State has in, in store for stadium renovations here in the near future? Yeah, you know, I learned that while we haven't heard a whole lot now over the past couple of years, that a lot of work has been going on behind the scenes and they're very close to unveiling what they have planned. But, you know, we, um, it's been about uh, seven years, I think, now before, or since we all met over at Fresno State and had a press conference and showed us all the, the grand vision for what Bulldog Stadium was going to become. And, of course, they that was kind of the Kickstarter uh, to get the funds for that project. And now this administration is definitely taking a different approach where they want to make sure all the funds are acquired and then they'll show us what's going on. Uh, so that way there's not a similar kind of uh, series of events that, that goes on here. And uh, while there are a lot of donations coming in and they're raising funds, they are also going through a variety of different ways. Uh, you know, there was a report about maybe a, a city sales tax. And, you know, there's a lot of potential revenue streams or money streams to make this project happen that, aren't necessarily going door to door or finding donors to, to make it happen. Cause this is going to be a, you know, a very, very expensive project. And so, uh, it looks like they are, uh, they've got a lot of options and that they're working on them. And once they kind of seal the deal on enough of those, uh, that they'll be able to move forward. And it looks like they're thinking within a six to 12 months, they might be at that stage to where, they uh, reveal the plans and uh, start making some movements and moving dirt and uh, actually making this thing a reality. So, you know, it's a, an exciting time. Uh, you know, I had a report on it, and you know, there were some things that 
they couldn't discuss. And, you know, when it's not, you know, fully guaranteed what's going on, you know, there's some skepticism, of course, but uh, from the, the public. But I definitely left that discussion feeling like this thing's going to happen uh, in the very near future and uh, excited about, you know, some of the things that they've got in store. Um, they're looking at trying to make, um, you know, probably not the. Once they reveal what's going to happen here, it's not going to be the same project that was shown before by Jim Barco, the, you know, the late Mr. Barco. It was um, there. There's a lot of those graphics that are still going around social media, it's, but you're going to see um, most likely some uh, ways to make this Bulldog Stadium more accessible. You know, it's pretty tough right now between the ramps and the stairs. I think they're going to try to address that. Um, there's some much needed uh, improvements that need to be made. The press box on uh, the west side is uh, in desperate need of a replacement with some suites that could be money makers for the Bulldogs there too. Um, there are some social areas uh, in the stadium, uh, potentially some some things to make that a little more exciting. Uh, when you're at your seat experience, more than just watching the game and. Um, a new scoreboard or video board on uh, the south side, you know, that video uh, pixelated board (laughs) that used to be there. That's been, I think, covered up by a banner. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) a little bit of a Vader board. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that scoreboard and it's nostalgic, but it's a little bit of an eyesore compared to what you got on the other side with that beautiful (laughs) video board. That's, uh, current era <laughs> level of technology. And so um, yeah, there's a lot more and a lot of smaller things, you know, beautification. And the other thing about this project too, is it's not just the stadium. It's also uh, improvements to uh, the Duncan facility as well, which is Fresno State's locker rooms and you know, offices and meeting rooms and the weight rooms over on that end. And uh, they are getting creative in ways to uh, improve Fresno State facilities by expanding that and you know, getting new facilities for some of the other teams that are having to share that with Fresno State, trying to move the visiting locker room out. So there is, um, I mean, that's been for Coach Tedford the biggest concern for the program because while <laughs> the, the stadium's dated for fans, when recruits come to Bulldog Stadium and they see 40,000 seats and they know most of them will be filled on Saturdays, there's not many stadiums in the Mountain West that compare to that. And so, but when they go in the facilities and they see you know, things that aren't quite state-of-the-art compared to, you, know, you have other programs in the Mountain West that don't have the fan support or the big stadium like Fresno State, but they have you know, more of the shiny stuff behind the scenes and uh, that can be a, a big thing for recruiting too, so. They're trying to improve both ends, both to get the fan experience better in the stadium and get the team experience better in the team facility. And I think we're close to seeing that project become a reality. And that all is going to go a long way for Fresno State football from the inside to the outside. Now, I believe in the last uh, the last iteration that was revealed to us, they were going to be enclosing the south end of the stadium and uh, and making that like the uh, the locker rooms and and uh, weight rooms and facilities and stuff like that is that still kind of the mindset they want to go in? Is enclosing that south end and doing that, or, or did you get the sense that that's not the plan anymore? They're going to be doing something else. Yeah, so this plan with the Duncan Building, I think, is the, kind of the alternative there. I think there are some 
logistical issues with that South idea. And I think they're going to be able to maybe utilize some of that space to help, you know, or if they move the visiting locker room out of the Duncan building, maybe something between there and the stadium uh, can serve there. Or, um, you know, there's some space between the football stadium and the baseball stadium. So, uh, there's going to be some space to you know, build more stuff, but ultimately um, there is enough there in the team facility that has not been able to be utilized yet to where they feel that it's going to be a significant upgrade uh, once they fill it out. And you know, that there's, again, some other teams there and they'll get their own facilities and that's going to free up a lot of room to bring new stuff and new facilities and new equipment and uh, just really upgrade what they've got to work with in that particular building. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it might come. Uh, I, I, I've been joking about it. It might it, someday. It might happen before I pass away. <laughs> it's just. It seems like the the longer I wait, the longer I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. But it does seem like maybe it might happen. <laughs> so the the goal is that hopefully in within the next uh, six months to a year, we're we're definitely going to get that announcement to happen as far as a Fresno State Stadium renovation and upgrades to not only upgrade this experience for the the fans, but also for the players. And that's something that Fresno State sorely needed or needs at the moment in order for them to keep up in recruiting and just basically keep up with all the other schools in college football. And it's, uh, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of stadium renovations. Uh, I mean, Colorado just had theirs not too long ago, and that's a beautiful facility. And, um, and of course, Boise has been constantly adding on to their stadium over throughout the years. And so they, they're, they're, you know, of course, we all know how Boise does in recruiting. They, they seem to have a leg up usually, but if Fresno State can do what they can do stadium-wise, that should be able to close the gap, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to help, especially this facility deal. Um, I mean, that seems to be where the Bulldogs have been lacking the most, and that's going to be able to uh, account for a lot of that. And the stadium, <clears throat> just in terms of, you know, the fans that, you know, they've been going to Bulldog Stadium for what, about 30 years now, we've 35 plus, I believe, and uh, not much has changed uh, for the last uh, 20 or so. And, you know, it's time you know, for this uh, the stadium as far as the fan experience to you know, be updated and modernized a bit. And uh, it, it does look like some of that's going to start happening here in the, the near future. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a a a, a plus in the uh, in the win column for the Bulldogs to help kind of get things going. And but you know, only time will tell just how quickly this is going to develop. And I hope it it, it develops sooner rather than later because. I, for one, am tired of going up and down stairs. I, I think you are too, Jackson. <laughs> not, it's not, it's not good on our knees, and we, and we usually go up and down those stairs quite often during a game just to go up to the press box, down to the field, back up to the press box. It's it's very, very hard on our on our legs as well. So, um, but before we get off, uh, of course, we need to get an update on uh, Fresno State basketball. 
Of course, the season is now over for Fresno State, but it is not completely over because they are competing in a uh, postseason tournament right now. And Jackson, tell us a little bit more about what's going on with the Fresno State basketball team. Yeah, the Bulldogs tipped off the basketball classic on Thursday, and um, it's new territory. It's a new postseason tournament uh, hosted by collegeinsider.com, who used to have the CIT tournament, who now, the CIT and the CBI are you know, definitely always behind, just, of course, the big dance, the NCAA tournament. Then the NIT is number two, and then these other two tournaments have been kind of three and four. And uh, now it's been rebranded as the Basketball Classic. And it's been uh, a bit of a journey. <laughs> it was supposed to be 32 teams. Uh, I think they got to about 21 or, or so. <laughs> and they, they kind of moved forward with what they had. And um, you know, the Bulldogs opened up the opening round uh, last uh, again last night against Eastern Washington, and uh, it was a pretty exciting game. I mean, uh, Eastern Washington plays a very up tempo style. Uh, we knew going in, and the Bulldogs have been very slow, very defensively all season long. And the Bulldogs just kind of went with it last night. I mean, they pushed the tempo, they ran the floor, they shot up a bunch of three pointers, and uh, I mean, Orlando Robinson uh, in his encore performances here in the same art center might be his last ones um he only had uh, 10 points i believe and the bulldogs had 83 which was almost their best of the entire season uh, against a you know a decent team that came in uh, or at least worthy of being a, one of these postseason teams and so uh it was neat to see the perimeter players really get more involved and get more action and these are the guys that you're counting on to get good experience out of this this tournament that you hope carries over into the next season or two as they continue to, to grow and develop. And we're not sure if Orlando Robinson's going to be back. So there's going to be a lot on these guys' shoulders potentially next season. Um, but now we kind of wait. Uh, it was announced as soon as the final buzzer sounded that Fresno State is going to get to host another game. They're going to host the quarterfinal round on Wednesday, uh, March 23rd at 7 p.m. against an opponent to be named. Uh, they're going to just kind of pair the teams that advance to the, the quarterfinal round together here. And, um, you know, President State is uh, one of the biggest names in this tournament. There's a lot of small schools. And so I think um, you know, if they keep winning, they may host all the way to the finals, perhaps. Um, and again, you know, this team had a frustrating end of the season. They didn't finish out the regular season very well. And, you know, they, um, they did have some close calls against San Diego state and Wyoming. Um, they you know, lost in the quarterfinals in the mountain West tournament and a heartbreaker against San Diego state again. And that even has been diminished a little bit with the mountain West going 0 and four in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Unfortunately, as a uh, kind of put a, a damper on what felt like a very good season for this conference and uh, to be uh, kind of on the outside of those top four teams like the Bulldogs have, it makes you feel like maybe you weren't as close as you thought. Um, but ultimately, the Bulldogs have basically won every game against inferior competition. They just about lost every game against inferior competition. And uh, as mentioned, they're about the biggest name in this uh the basketball classic tournament, uh, the Eastern Washington team that just came had a net ranking of 220 or so, and 
uh, the Bulldogs have just been you know, automatic against those kinds of teams. And so um, while they had a lot of frustrations in conference play, especially at the end, uh, this is a, a field of teams that they should be able to beat <laughs> just about anyone. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not going to uh, be need for a parade if they win this thing that a lot of people don't know a whole lot about. But, uh, I mean, I think it's very realistic that they can win it. And, um, again, it's, they probably won't hang a banner. Maybe they will. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. it'll be good good experience. I mean, you don't get many opportunities for single elimination basketball in this in this world. And uh, when you're a team that's trying to come out uh, and try to be one of those teams and you go to your conference tournament and you lose in the quarterfinals consistently, it's just really tough to get that experience. And we saw in the 2010s that the Bulldogs entered the CBI in 2014 and a lot of those guys were the key pieces that uh, they finished as runners up in that tournament. They got six games of postseason basketball through that experience. And a lot of those guys were the key pieces two years later when the Bulldogs won the Mountain West tournament and made it to the big dance for the first time in a long time. So um, you hope that this is going to maybe set the ground uh, work for a successful year next year, or it might roll over for two years. And um, we'll see if that uh, does pan out. But uh, as soon as this thing ends, uh, expect that the Bulldogs are going to be pretty aggressive with the transfer portal as well on the basketball side and try to get a couple of key pieces to make this team a contender next year. Yeah, definitely. It looks like the Fresno State basketball team, uh, you know, may have a shot to to go very deep in this uh, postseason uh, um, tournament. And um, I don't know, Jackson, you see you see a good possibility uh, that we may see them going very deep or. Or, you know, they might hit a buzzsaw here pretty soon. Yeah, you know, there's just not many teams that strike a lot of fear. And with this thing, uh, <laughs> I think UTEP is pretty much the second biggest name. Uh, they haven't named an opponent yet. Um, I would assume by Sunday, at the very latest, we'll know who the Bulldogs are going to play. And the, really the only regional teams, which is uh, my best guess of who they would face, would be uh, Portland or Southern Utah who are teams that I think Fresno State should be very capable of defeating. And, you know, even as far as they get to the semifinals and the championship, you're going to face another hot team, but it's going to be someone like Youngstown State or Florida Gulf Coast or South Carolina Upstate. It's one of the teams in there. So um, they're probably not going to be names that draw, which are teams that Fresno State have typically uh, I mean, they've been undefeated against teams under 150 in the net rankings, and that's kind of the, the field that they're with here. So it's set up for them to to take care of business and win this thing. I would say they're the favorites. Yeah, so it does look like Fresno State has a chance at uh, at possibly going very deep into this tournament. And uh, Jackson, of course, was, is going to keep an eye on that one and let you know how things are developing, um, not only in the tournament, but uh, but basketball-wise for, for the Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, as always, head over to thebarkboard.com to get the latest news and, and updates of all that information. Now, Jackson, before we head off, any final thoughts uh, before we, we call it a day? Yeah, just uh, you know, there's a lot going on for this time of year. Uh, even with 
you know, baseball and softball are having a little bit of a tough time so far. The baseball team has a chance to bounce back this weekend, actually. They've got Nevada at home for three games. And if you are someone that would enjoy uh, a high-scoring baseball game, I would suggest trying to get out to uh, Biden Field at one time, at least this weekend. Nevada has, I think, their last four or five games been in the double digits. So points scored, and or runs scored, and runs allowed. So, uh, odds are there's going to be some exciting high-scoring games if you're into that style of baseball at, at Fresno State this weekend. And it's also a big one. Nevada's got uh, the best overall record in the conference, and if the Bulldogs can win this series, it'll set the table for uh, maybe some more expectations in conference play. It's a, it's a pretty weak Mountain West this year. Um, so even though the Bulldogs haven't been all that great so far, uh, conference play will definitely be uh, an opportunity for them. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on here uh, at Fresno State. Even if you're kind of just focusing on football, it's March and April, and there's a lot, <laughs> a lot going on. So stay tuned to BarkBoard.com for all the updates, and especially get to the premium board for our in-depth stuff and our. You know, we have a lot of interviews and exclusive things from spring practice that only go there. And uh, we may have uh, uh, some sort of deal going on next week as spring ball kicks off uh, to celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. So keep an eye on, on the Bark Board for any specials going on. Um, again, it's something that is definitely worth the price. You get all the information that you need um, before anybody else does, actually. So... Keep an eye out at the bark board. That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. You can find Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. If you haven't done so already, head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. Um, just look for the uh, barkboard.com. And also, if you are not a premium subscriber to the barkboard.com, now's the time to do it. Head over there, get the latest news and information. We do provide the best information on our premium board. So if you're not a member, please do so uh, and, and consider it and, uh, and you will not be disappointed. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue our ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>